Good morning. Transitions always feel so much more important when you've got cameras everywhere. It used to be like we could just take all the time in the world and be so relaxed. Maybe they just make me nervous. Who knows? We'll get used to it someday. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. But it's so beautiful to know Fernanda. It's so beautiful to um, just be um, watching her grow in her faith. And uh, it's exciting. It's exciting as we grow and we watch one another and encourage one another. And so um, for those of you who might be wondering, we know that Governor Cox has asked us all to be praying for rain. And we are going to do that at the end of our service. Um, he's reached out to all and Pamela Atkinson have reached out to all of uh, the faith leaders asking us to pray. And we are going to do that at the end. So don't worry, we're going to do it. Um, as we've been preparing for today and thinking about baptism and, pre and preparing uh, for this, I've just been thinking about baptism. And I've been preparing in July. We're going to talk more about it, what it means and why we do it and kind of more in depth about it. But as I've been thinking about it this week, what's really struck me is just the idea that we don't ever do it alone. It's always in the context of community and with other people. And um, if you think about it, think about the different stories in the Bible that you might know. And if you don't know, I'm gonna tell you some and you can go and look them up, Google them or something like that. But there's a story of John or Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. Uh, there's the Great Commission where Jesus tells us, you go and baptize people all around the world. Go baptize, make disciples and baptize them. So we have this commission to go and baptize. So that takes at least two people, right? And not only are we baptized and told to buy someone else or baptized by someone else, but we're often baptized with others. So think about um, Cornelius's household. Um, it says that when Peter arrived and it says his whole household believed and they were all baptized. And uh, the story of Lydia, Lydia, she's a, a merchant, a businesswoman in Philippi and she and the jailer in his household, they welcomed um, Paul into their land and they were baptized in households and families. And we've had that happen here where whole families have decided to follow Jesus and get baptized all at once. There's lots of ways. It's often a public act and it's an important declaration of faith. And the church has invited followers of Jesus into baptism throughout history and all over the world. I found it's fun to look at pictures online. Here's a picture of a baptismal from a Roman city in Tunisia, Africa. 200 to 300, or the second to the third century, excuse me. Other times we have, we can see people getting baptized in warm climates, in muddy rivers. I just love that picture of joy on her face. That's muddy waters. Hey, whatever it takes, right? I think that is way better than this next one. Let's try baptism in the frozen north. <laughs> I'd make you buy me a wetsuit if you wanted me to baptize you that way. <laughs> I had a friend in a small group that we had here at church who came from a, a very abusive religious background. She was in our small group and she wanted to be baptized but not in a church. She had had too much religious background for that. 
and she was afraid what um, people in her family might think. And so all the women in our small group, we piled into her bathroom with random kids, and I'm sure there were pets there. And we all kind of peered over as we baptized her in a big jacuzzi tub. So she at least had a jacuzzi tub. One of my favorite stories is of my father-in-law. There's my mother-in-law there. Um, one of my favorite stories is he was an eyeglass salesman. And he'd get together, you know, for regional sales meetings. And all of the sales people from the different regions would come together. And one time they came and they were together. And one of his, one of his buddies, one of his sales buddies said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to leave my old life and follow Jesus. And so they led him just to pray and to give his life to the Lord. And then he said, okay, what do I do next? And they said, well, you should be baptized. And he said, well, let's do it. So in some hotel, was it Kansas or Missouri? I don't know, Kansas, the Kansas City. Okay, so imagine, and I think this guy was really big if I remember correctly. Imagine all these guys piling into a hotel bathroom and baptizing an adult man. <laughs> How beautiful, isn't it? All the different ways it can happen. Even in the Bible, we just see this connection between baptism and community, or should I say baptism and relationship. There's always relationship. People were baptized in rivers, they were baptized in, it seems like, worship or teaching gatherings. That day, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone on the day of Pentecost. Sometimes people were baptized, baptized in what's a more private or hidden way, if we think of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. But still, baptism happens with others. You don't do it alone. In the book of Acts, which is the book that that teaches us about the actions of the apostles in the early church. In chapter 8 is the story of Philip, the apostle, and the Ethiopian eunuch. This man had come from Ethiopia. He was an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. So think of him today as a government recorder or treasurer or something like that, right? He was just an important official, but he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. But the whole, as he's leaving Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit sends Philip to talk to him. So Philip finds this Ethiopian. He's running beside him in a chariot. It's a fun story. Read Acts 8. And he comes alongside him and he says, what are you reading? And, the unit, and he, sees, he sees that he's reading the scrolls, the scrolls of, the, of scripture. And he asks the eunuch, he says, do you understand what you are reading? And this is what he says. He says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? He needed help. He needed relationship. He needed someone else to come and be with him and talk him through it. Philip ends up in the chariot with the Ethiopian, and he goes on to tell him the good news about Jesus, it says. And as they're traveling along the road, they come to some water, and the Ethiopian asks Philip, look, here's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? I imagine this today. I imagine like, <laughs> imagine some recorder, some guy from California working in the treasurer's office of, the, of San Francisco coming through Nevada and a believer comes alongside him at some truck stop or somewhere and says, 
what are you reading? And he says, I don't understand this stuff. And God provides one of us to witness to this official. And you stop at a traveling J. You're like, God, oh, let's get you baptized. <laughs> I don't know what it would look like today. I'm totally imagining. But the Ethiopian eunuch orders the carriage to stop. And then I love this word, this, this picture. Philip and the Ethiopian, they went into the water together. They went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the two of them, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away and the eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. There was something that happened, but it took another person to be there with Philip or with the Ethiopian eunuch for that moment. I want us to remember that how can people understand unless we explain it to them? and they need us to go down into the water with them. God knew that the Ethiopian eunuch needed Philip, so God in his kindness sends Philip, and Philip in his obedience listens and goes. And the Ethiopian was welcomed into the community of faith. He was welcomed because he was joined in the chariot, the scriptures were explained, and Philip went down into the waters and came up out with him. When you baptize someone, you embrace them because you're like dunking them, <laughs> right? So you're embracing them. And when they come up, you're embracing them. I loved Cheryl Brazel's pictures from way back when. Could you put those up, those pictures of Cheryl? A few weeks ago, she shared, and she shared her faith story, and these are old pictures, but look at all the people, and look at her friend holding her before she was baptized and speaking to her, and then I, I get the impression from these pictures, a bunch of people were baptized. You can see people's hands on one another's backs, and you can just see people just coming and going. There's relationship. There's this picture of being together. The title of my message, that was a really long introduction. We're halfway through almost, so don't worry. <laughs> the title of my message today is You Can't Faith Alone. And yes, I know that's not a correct sentence. <laughs> I'm verbing the word faith. <laughs> it's like saying, let's Google that, or I'm adulting today, right? <laughs> I'm thinking of the word in faith as faith in action. When we have faith in God, when we put our faith in God, we believe and put our life in Jesus' trustworthy hands and we follow Jesus. But God didn't design us to faith on our own. And baptism is a picture of this. Of course, there are elements of our faith that absolutely have to happen in quiet and alone places, right? Absolutely, and we can't neglect those spaces. And sometimes we start our faith journey on our own. Sometimes we have a dream, or sometimes we have a thought, or we just have a sense that God is with us and reaching out to us. And there are some deep things that God can only do with us in solitude, one-on-one. -on -one. Every morning, not every morning, 
I read lots of devotionals and I listen to lots of things, but my current favorite is uh, an app called Lectio 365. I like it because I can stay in my bed a long time with my eyes shut <laughs> and I get bored laying there sometimes and I'm like, I wanna listen to the, the word. And so I fumble and find my phone and I start this app and I listen to it and I just love it. And with every morning we pray this prayer or I pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, my teacher, as I dive into the Bible, would you awaken my heart, expand my mind, and shape my identity today? I love praying that. I love centering myself in Jesus before I even step my foot out of bed. I love that it talks about my heart, my mind, and who I am throughout the time. And it's a very special time, me and Jesus, for me to center myself in Christ. Aaron's usually out of bed by then. <laughs> but when we gather in homes, in parks, or in this building, we're reminded that church is way bigger than us. It's not what happens just here, right? And it's not just what happens between me and Jesus. It's way bigger. It's about the body of Christ. It's about people who need to be gathered and embraced into the body. When we faith, we become keenly aware that we don't faith alone. I've been asking our worship leaders um, for more we songs. Like so many of the songs are just about me, 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 me. <laughs> like where are the we songs? They're really hard to find. So you can all be praying with me. I think I've mentioned this before. Help us find those we songs. There's a place for me, right? But there's also this idea of us. We can't faith alone. We need our, the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, we need our hearts awakened. I love it because since we don't have many songs, I love how much um, Kathy and Lori and Kelsey will change the songs to we. So I love it when they do that. But we need our collective heart awakened. We need our church culture thinking expanded and who we should be collectively reshaped into his image. So I changed the words of that prayer I pray. Would you pray it with me as we continue on exploring? Would you guys pray this out loud with me? Holy Spirit, our teacher, as we worship and explore the word today, would you awaken our hearts, expand our thinking, and shape who we are today? Amen. So for the, for the next part of this um, message time, I want to look at Jesus's baptism and how relational that process was. To set the context, before Jesus starts his public ministry, and the ministry we all know from scripture in the Bible, um, Jesus is baptized by his cousin, and his cousin is known as a very crazy, wild man. Um, John the Baptizer, or John the Baptist. And he was a fiery, strange character who was using an existing Jewish tradition. Someone asked me the other day, 
what was the tradition of baptism before John the Baptist? And I said, I'm not totally sure. But I looked it up and um, I was like, ah, this sounds right. He used the existing Jewish tradition of cleansing, often the priests, before they would go into the Holy of Holies or come out of the Holy of Holies, they would wash themselves and cleanse themselves. And so he used that tradition as a method to call the general public to repentance of sins, to changing their ways. Mark 1, 4 through 5 says, John the baptizer was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. They were showing it. This is a demonstration that I'm going to turn to God. And it says that all of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. It's similar to what we did today, right? We were showing the decision that Fernanda had made. Mark 1, verses 7 through 8 say, oh, wait. As he preached, he said, yes. And then John the Baptist, as he preached, he said, the real action comes next. This is the message version. The star in this drama, to whom I'm a mere stagehand, will change your life. I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. But his baptism, and he's referring to Jesus, is a holy baptism by the Holy Spirit, and he's going to change you from the inside out. Isn't that beautiful? So this is what John was doing before Jesus arrives. He was baptizing people in this baptism of repentance, and he's telling them, someone's going to come who's going to change you from the inside out. So, sure enough, one day Jesus arrives, and he's at the shore of the Jordan River in the midst of a bunch of crowds, and he approaches John the Baptist. And when Jesus appears, it says, he comes to John and he says, you got to baptize me. But John's like, no way. I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. John the Baptist knew who Jesus was. But Matthew 3, it says, Jesus insisted do it. God's work, putting things right, all these centuries is coming together right now in this baptism. So John did it. Luke 3, 21 says that after all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized. For the previous 30 years, Jesus had remained hidden in Nazareth in Galilee, and he grew and matured in quietness, and he learned to work with his hands and discern his father's voice. He was part of a family. We also need those times. So we need those times that are hidden and, and quiet. But when Jesus starts his ministry and begins to gather what would soon be the church, here are some things to notice. Jesus needs John to baptize him to fulfill God's will. It's like Jesus is saying, this is the way the kingdom works. This is how we do this. We do this together. Not only is he doing this with John, but he's with all those people from Judea and Jerusalem who are being baptized. He follows them into baptism. Jesus, the sinless one, 
is identifying with us, the fallen ones, by submitting to this baptism of repentance. It's a foreshadowing of the cross. As Jesus and John go into the waters, Jesus is being embraced by John in the waters. As Jesus is in the waters, he's embracing us in the waters. And John and Jesus come up out of the water together. There's all this togetherness. And it's not just the together of them. Matthew 3, 16 through 17 says, After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Other translations say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In this baptism story, no one is alone. Jesus is embraced by John in the waters. Jesus embraces us in the waters. And then as Jesus comes out of the waters, the Father and the Holy Spirit embrace Jesus and everyone hears it. There's a proclamation There's a lot of connecting happening in this scene. A lot of relationship in this moment. Here's another little side note. When the sky opens up and the dove ascends, the father says, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We might expect that the father would have said said that when Jesus was hanging on the cross or when Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Like, look what my son has done. Look at everything he's accomplished. But instead, the father said those words before Jesus had done a single miracle, before Jesus had done a thing. Isn't that amazing? Before Jesus had healed, before he had taught, before he had reformed, before he had revolutionized everything, before Jesus saved the world, the Father's like, I love you. So before Fernanda does a thing, right now, the day she's told me her faith story, you should ask her sometime to tell you more of her faith story, but it was that day you heard Jesus call you. She was in a hospital. There's, there's more. There are many times. But Jesus came to her in a hospital. From that day when you recognize God, he's been with you. He's been pleased with you. He's loved you. And that's how it is with us. Isn't it amazing? So today... In this baptism, we watch Fernanda demonstrate that she's exchanged her old life for a kingdom life. She's declared, I'm forgiven of my sins and I'm raised with Christ. And I want the Holy Spirit to change me from the inside out. But we are also all here to witness this and embrace her. And to hear the voice of the Lord saying, I love you, you are my joy, I delight in you. I pray that as we've witnessed this baptism today that we all remember we don't faith alone. We shouldn't and we can't faith alone. 
Now, I recognize that so many of us do feel very, very alone. Every single week, I talk with people who feel alone, and that is such a real thing. I've told this story before, but there's a story of my brother, a time that something happened. We were very little. My sister and I shared a room. We had twin beds, and my brother had his own room. I I don't know, just super little, maybe five or six, four or five. I don't know, but old enough to do math because um, something had happened, and he was terrified. Something had happened in the night, a nightmare, and... um, He came running into our room, and for months, well, maybe not months, my parents should tell the story. I should have verified the facts with them. But for a long time, my brother slept on the floor between our two twin beds, and we kind of got annoyed by that (laughs) and tired of that, and we tried to convince him to go back to his own room, and and we would say, "Um, you don't need to be afraid. Jesus is with you. And he would say, well, that's not fair because that means there's four of them and only two of us. (laughs) He just wanted to be in that room with us. And I, I recognize that right now that there are some of us that we feel like that, like that's, this is not fair right now. I feel like there's two of me and four of you in your relationships. Um, Some of us don't have the relationships we long for. Other of us might not like the relationships we have, (laughs) right? (laughs) It's true. (laughs) I mean, we all long to have people with the same voice, the same vision, the same passions, the same values, similar experiences and histories. These things are very helpful, aren't they? But God chose instead to knit us together in this big, wacky family. (laughs) He did. I've been watching the Chosen TV series, and I have been refraining from telling you all about it forever. (laughs) My family is probably, like, done with me talking about it. Same with the people I work with, the staff here. They're like, okay, Sarah. But it's so beautiful. And it's such a good reminder of how different the disciples were and their different motivations and passions and histories and experiences. One of my favorite repeating scenes is when a new disciple comes on the scene and sees the other disciples and is just like, uh, this, is, this is who we're going to, these are your students, Rabbi? Like, what's up with this? This is what Jesus has done with us. He's put us together. And just like Jesus chose those disciples for that time and place, Jesus has chosen us for this time and place. Writer and preacher Ruth Ellen Davis says this about her community, where she's at. She says, the secret of our community's life is not tolerance, but humility, which entails the ability to receive other strengths and weaknesses as gifts. Wow. That that sink in for a bit. (laughs) 
My prayer today is that God would provide each of us here life-giving, healthy relationships for each one of us so that we can be a people who don't faith alone, but that we will figure out how to faith together. That together in humility, we will explain scripture to one another, help cover one another, go into the waters together, embrace one another in those waters and come out of those waters again. again, That we can proclaim our love and delight in each other. Amen. So as we close today, um, I ask Kathy, Kathy, would you um, come up please and um, help us with some instrumental music? Instead of me praying and all of us standing and agreeing, (laughs) I'd like to close a little differently. I'd like to ask you if you would take a moment to pray with someone sitting next to you, or if you're comfortable to reach out across the aisle somewhere and pray with someone else, whatever your comfort level is, but just to pray for one another and speak a blessing of encouragement of faith for the person you're sitting next to and for the right relationships to come into our lives. And then when you're done praying for one another, if you're comfortable, then begin to pray for our land. Like I said before, the governor has asked us if we would pray for rain And I think about how much we need rain spiritually as much as we need rain naturally. We need rain for our souls. We need to be washed, don't we? Our land, we as people, we need to be cleansed and washed again and renewed and our land needs water. So could we do that? Could you just take a minute to, to, to pray with someone if you're comfortable. And I would come and pray with you, but I'm gonna pray with the people online. So whatever your comfort level is, this is how we're gonna finish today. It's just praying if, as, as you feel comfortable. And then for those of you online, I'm gonna pray with you because I know some of you are home alone for a variety of reasons. So I'm gonna pray with you and you're gonna pray for me. I'm trusting that you're praying for me. So Lord, I pray for everyone who's listening on a podcast for everyone who's um, watching on Zoom or Facebook or YouTube. We know we can't faith alone. Forgive us for thinking we can faith alone. I don't want to faith alone. Forgive me for all the times I've said I can do it on my own or I'm going to do it on my own or I should do it on my own. Forgive us, God, for that. 
I pray for the people who are listening right now, God. Give them community, give them life-giving relationships, even if they're people they don't expect, people they want to be with in their workplaces, in their homes, wherever they gather. I bless their walk of faith that they could journey with others, that they could be with others, that others would go down into the water with them and come up out of the water with them. I just provide, provide our need for others, for companionship. Provide for my brothers and sisters who need to faith with others. Be with them, Lord, I pray. And Lord, I also pray, I pray for water. I pray for water to flow over this land in the name of Jesus. I pray for life-giving water, the water that never goes, that makes us never go thirsty. I pray for water from heaven to be poured out over this land. Jesus, we want to drink from you. We want to drink of living water. Forgive us for going other places to drink. Father, I pray that a spirit of repentance would be poured out over this land, that we would turn from our ways and turn to your ways, that we would turn from being self-sufficient and turn to you, that we would not put our trust in the work of our own hands, but that we would turn to you and turn to one another and that what you deposit in us that we would give away freely to those around us that we would touch others with your living water lord would you bring refreshing water from heaven to this land would you bring rain let it rain lord over this land let it rain open the heavens just like you opened the heavens over jesus when he was baptized would you open the heavens over this land and let it rain let it rain let it rain wash us and cleanse us and heal this parched and weary land let this desert land bloom like a rose we pray let it bloom let this dry and weary land bloom, Lord. Let times of refreshing come. Times of refreshing. In the name of Jesus. listening or watching online and you'd like more information about what we're talking about and get to get more understanding of what we're talking about um, please reach out to us via email reach out to us via social media and if you're here and you have more questions for us please don't hesitate to ask I'm going to be 
at the exit if you have more questions about what I've been talking about. I'll see you there.